Hello and welcome to Shoulder Charge. On the podcast this week, can Salford cope with the ever-revolving door? Huddersfield are back to winning ways. Will they now turn a corner? An outsider Super League. It's the Sheffield v York clash tonight in the Championship. I'll be delving deeper into that later on Shoulder Charge. Before we get into the main discussion on the podcast, let's bring you right up to date with all that's happened since we spoke last week. Huddersfield are back to winning ways after four straight losses. They beat Salford 36-18 to dent their playoff hopes. Also, Leeds have been busy in the recruitment department. Not as satisfied with new players, they've brought in Ryan Carr as an assistant to the Rhinos coach Richard Agar. The Featherstone Rovers coach will combine his assistant role at Leeds with his current job. Also, there are yet more departures at Salford. Daryl Olferts is the latest to depart the Red Devils and he will join Castleford Tigers next year. He follows in the footsteps of George Griffin who will join him at Cass in 2020. It's been a busy period for Salford who have lost Robert Louis to Leeds and Jackson Hastings who will also join Wigan next year. We'll discuss that more in the podcast later on. Also, the problems are stacking up for Catalan Dragons. They've lost Jason Baitieri and Sam Moore, who are set to be out on the sidelines for several months. It's been a month to forget for the Dragons, after they lost all of their four Super League games in June. They face Wakefield on Saturday. Finally, the 1895 Cup is set to be given a cash prize. The upcoming two semi-finals will also be streamed for free live on the Our League app. We'll get into more detail on this in the podcast later on, so stay tuned for that. But first, let's kick off with last night's action. Strugglers Huddersfield, they stunned Salford who were hoping to keep up in the playoff race. It was a strange game and seemingly there was a lack of quality, you know, we saw so many misconversions I lost count. And not all of them were difficult, some were simple. And the first half, I worried for Huddersfield because for the first 30 minutes they looked really poor and not of the standard you usually come to expect of a Super League side. Salford were leading with just minutes in and the try they scored were so basic. There were three Huddersfields stood in front of McCarthy yet he was still able to get it down. They should have dealt with it really easily but he was able to get that ball down. And Salford had him on the ropes for a good 30 minutes in that first half. And Huddersfield were really not dealing well with the kicks. They left players unmarked on the wings and three times they regained possession. They heaped more pressure on themselves through sloppy play. They were dropping the ball when they weren't under much pressure. And that happened three times in a row. But they were able to put that behind them. And they actually finished the first half in the lead remarkably. There was a couple of interchanges after that lengthy stoppage for an injury and it sort of showed up the defence and Matty English helped them when they were going forward and he scored a try. His try were quite good because he had a sea of Salford shirts around him but he was still able to get the ball down for a try. And in that game I think Huddersfield probably wanted it more and Ian Watson admitted that after the game. And in terms of Huddersfield in recent weeks... There's been a lot of criticism of their recruitment, but they showed the best of that tonight. One thing you can say about the recruitment is they've got age on the side. It's a very young and developing team, and there's a lot of homegrown talent in there. So, a young team's always going to make mistakes. They're not the finished article, but it's about a learning curve. And For so many young players to be given a chance in Super League, 
to be playing across the park week in, week out. It can only be good for the development, but obviously it will work too and against Huddersfield's benefit. So quite a lot of Huddersfield players are learning the game and we've seen how tough they've had it over the past few weeks, but tonight it worked. They came into their own, I thought, despite that terrible horror start. You know, they showed great character to turn it around. And even after that really poor start, they made that win comfortable. And Simon Wolford, the coach, in recent weeks, he'd looked dumbfounded as to how he could overturn this terrible run that they'd been on. And he sort of ran, he looked as if he ran out of ideas. But in that game, when they were edging ahead into the lead and extending the lead, you know, you could see on his face how relieved he was. And last night, you saw the potential of the Huddersfield side. We saw how they put 55 points past Hull FC at Magic Weekend back in May. We also saw both sides of Huddersfield. To me, it was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance. But they know what they have to do now. And next, they're up against Catalans, and then they've got Hull KR after that. And after that win, they're certainly winnable games. But they cannot start like they did last night. Huddersfield in recent games have been guilty of giving away easy points from penalties, particularly before the Salford game against Wakefield. In possession, they were sloppy. You saw it again last night. But Huddersfield could have easily have caved in to the pressure and lost that match. But they didn't. They showed resolve. And that character they showed, it's not of a sight that is going to go down in my opinion. And second half, they went back to basics such as, you know, holding the ball well. And the good thing for Huddersfield, the problems are easily rectifiable. Last night, they showed the want to win and it earned them the points. If they do that in the next few games, they'll have a real chance. But as is always the case in Super League, there are no guarantees. But I think they'll turn the corner now. Moving on, we referred to this earlier on in the roundup. Yet another player is leaving Salford Red Devils. And at this rate, they will probably be none left. Some add Salford as dark horses for the playoffs this year, although last night's performance puts that playoff hopes into doubt, especially after they lost to Wigan the week before as well. And they've got Ian Watson at the helm, he's doing a fantastic job. And they've had good recruitment and they've got a good squad they've got a good squad of players and they've been finding hidden gems in the lower leagues. But there's perils of being a smaller side. Teams are now picking off all their talent and Salford simply cannot compete with other Super League sides. The average attendance for Super League sides is just under 8,500 and Salford average around half of that just under 4,000 and last night's attendance, it, it was really poor. There were more empty seats than there was people in the ground, it didn't even look as if there was a thousand Salford fans there. So Salford are already hindered in that department because they can't get the fans through the gates and they're missing out on a whole lot of revenue and it's a bit it's sorta of difficult in that area because you've got a lot of football clubs. You've got Salford City on the rise now, you know, Wigan are not so far away. It's kinda of hard to compete and especially for a sport that's not really the main sport in the area. And to other Super League sides, they're losing about half of the gate receipts on average. So they're always going to be 
a lower finishing side. But they've been in Super League since 2009 now. They've been in it before, of course, but they've not been relegated since 2009. So it's huge credit to them for staying in the league when they're on a such a disadvantage in terms of the revenue. And the previous owner, Marwan Kukash, he tried and failed to improve attendances and Salford have attempted everything to get more people through the gates, but it's not materialised. And Marwan Kukash is no longer involved. He's moved on. And with all that considered, Salford doing great to be 7th at the time of recording and to be just one win off the playoffs, but they probably miss out this year because of the recent results. And as we always say, they can just be a couple of wins from the playoffs, but they can also be a couple of losses off relegation, because that's how tight it is this year. And they're not in danger of relegation, I don't think, this year. They might make the playoffs, but it's probably unlikely now, after those losses. But I worry for them next year, because I'm looking at other clubs at the bottom who are struggling now, and they're all adding to the squads, making good signings. You know, we've got whole KR adding Matt Parcell. They signed Jordan Abdul for next year. Leeds have got in Rob Louie from Salford. And Salford have got Lola here in return. And he didn't have he didn't have a very good game, it's fair to say, last night. And another Salford player's been snapped up. Castleford have got Daryl Olford's services for 2020. He's following George Griffin, who's also going to Castleford. You know, they've lost Robert Louie, as I referred to earlier. They've lost the star man as well. The player that makes them tick, Jackson Hastings, he's leaving Salford at the end of the season for Wigan. So after a disappointing year last last year, they finished second bottom in 2018. All that hard work were done to amass this squad. And the core of Salford now, it's, it's, ta- it's been taken away. But it were probably inevitable because, you know... The bigger sides are always going to pick off the best talent from lower down. It always happens. And the problem for Salford is they can't go out and break the bank. Ian Watson has referred to it earlier. They've not got the resources that teams like Wigan or Leeds have. And they can't even... They might not even be able to replace for the same quality. So, for Salford, it's one step forward and then it's two steps back. So, Salford will have to pull out another rabbit out of the hat in terms of recruitment. And... They can't always keep that up. They can't keep replacing so many players in a closed season all the time. It's always going to be a gamble. And the problem for Salford, they're not getting a return on the players. You know, they could have been in. The reports are they could have been in for a a good fee for uh, Jackson Hastings, but Wigan have got him him on the end of the season instead. So they won't have to pay a fee. And it's a big blow for them because in the past nine years, Salford have finished 10th and below seven times and they had a real scare in 2016 when you know they were one game away from dropping out of Super League luckily for them they beat Hull KR in the million pound game but with the way Super League is as I always say and the standard of the championship as well at the top of the table the margins are not that much and Salford are are losing all the main players now and they've got a job on to replace them the press are reporting that they're bringing in Kevin Brown, Chris Atkin, Dan Sargentson, Paulie Paulie, James Greenwood and Reese Williams. The press say they're all likely to join Salford next year. But, have Salford got another Jackson Hastings or a Rob Bluey? I've got my doubts. Lola, he has not proven to be as successful as Robert Louis has. 
at the moment. And Salford may well be fighting for survival in Super League next year. They've done it in the past. And they've amassed a good squad now, but it's been took away. And will all those players be successful? The new ones? Will it work out for them? It's an uncertainty and there's so much to do, so much preparation. And you can't keep doing that all the time to be a successful side. And also, who's to say Ian Watson won't be snapped up? He's expressed interest in coaching the NRL. He's been a brilliant coach. He's kept Salford together. He's He's been responsible for all that's good for Salford. And he's a hot property in the game at the moment. You know, he's been given his assistant coaching role in the Great Britain setup. So, not only have they got to try and hold on to the best players, they've also got to hold on to the coach, but... The coach is not going to want to stay there if the core of the squad keeps getting torn apart year after year. And you know, they're going to have to deal with a huge turnover again, it's going to be tough. And unless that's 100% right, that recruitment, next year I think will really be tough for them. And I think Super League status might be in danger. Now then, we referred to it earlier in the roundup. The 1895 Cup is getting some prize money for the winner this year and also the other team in the final. So it's understood the RFL chief executive has told clubs that they'll be able to cover the cost of the £100,000 fee for staging costs and it, that fee was originally due to be covered by the individual clubs but the RFL are now covering it so they'll save £100,000. Also clubs will get a 25% commission on ticket sales, that's an increase of 5%. And they'll also get a 10% commission on tickets sold centrally. And not only that, there'll also be a £7,500 fee for both clubs who reach the final. And this to me is a step in the right direction. It's a competition that I thought was not properly thought out and I've spoke about it in an earlier podcast. I've had severe reservations about the viability and, and the planning of the 1895 Cup. My reservations have sort of been proved because... You know, the fact we're only just getting a prize fund now. But they are moving in the right direction, even if it's probably a bit late now. They've got a sponsor in, there's the prize fund. It is a small prize fund, but, you know, it's certainly a more palatable competition now for clubs. And before then, the competition, not really promoted, no sponsor, no actual benefits, other than, you know, a day out at Wembley. It were midweek games for part-time clubs, it was... Not really the best of competitions for a part-time club. All that considered, it made it a bit off-putting for fans because, for me, in the last round, in the last round, it was a midweek round again. And on the day of it, I was thinking, you know, what sport is on tonight? And I saw the 1895 Cup was on. So I thought, you know, what? why not watch that? I was going to watch the York match, but then I'd seen... They've made about 12 changes and I just thought, you know, what's the point? I don't really want to watch a reserve side. I wanted to see a, I wanted to see the squad that has done so well in the championship this year after their promotion from League One. And in the end, I didn't really bother. I didn't watch any sport. And I do understand why York made those changes, you know. They've got to focus on the championship. They're joint second now. They face Sheffield, who we'll talk about in a minute. So, midweek games, you know, for not much benefit, it's difficult for a team in the championship. So, I'm not blaming them. 
But how can we begin to take the competition seriously, you know, when it's not even fully planned out? I've said this before. But they are moving in the right direction. Both semi-finals will be live on the Our League app. So download that if you're interested. The winners will get to Wembley, so... These final games, I can't deny it, it is quite exciting to be honest. And if you're wondering, the semi-finals, Sheffield face Batley on Sunday the 28th of July and that's at 2pm. And then at 4pm on the same day, Lee will play Widness and whoever wins those ties will battle it out in the, at Wembley to be crowned the 1895 Cup winners. So hopefully that'll be successful in terms of streams and tickets and whatnot. But it's just a bit of a shame that the RFL couldn't have had the sponsors and the prize money confirmed before the competition actually started because then we may not have had so many changes and so many teams not actually bothering with it this year. So as we've just been talking about outside of Super League, let's carry on with the discussion of the championship. Because, of course, there's lots of things going on outside of the top flight in the world of Rugby League. And this week I thought we'd delve a bit deeper into the Championship. Currently, Toronto are flying high at the top of the table. They're almost certain to finish first. But as we saw last year, London beating Toronto. Promotion's not always guaranteed. You know, like the Super League, the real winners are found through the playoffs and the grand final. And the real question is, will this be Toronto's year? They've certainly got the resources to do it. They've got bags of Super League experience. And the guy coaching them is a serial Super League winning coach, by McDermott. But it's not all about Toronto. There's some surprise packages this year in and around the playoffs. Tonight we'll see Sheffield face York City Knights. They're two sides who have gone under the radar and they've quietly gone about the business. They've climbed up the table and kept up the pace. York are joint second going into the clash on 26 points. Sheffield are also two wins behind in six with 22 points. Not many would have predicted that both sides would be vying for the playoffs and could be a Super League side next year, but they are. York need to cement their position in the top five and Sheffield are not far off joining them. And the Eagles spent most of the year at the top of the table. If you look at the previous season, the transformation is remarkable. Last year, in the regular season, they got just 14 points and they'd lost 16 times. This year, at this stage, going into the York game, they've halved the number of losses and they surpassed that 14-point tally last year back at the midway point of the season. And we're coming to the towards the end of it now so it's been a really good successful season for Sheffield and there's been more stability on off the field they've simply got a better squad and Anthony Fackery he's proved a a shrewd move not only is he Eagles top try scorer but he's one of the top try scorers in the league the squad's a lot more experienced and the players have spoken of the coach Mark Aston giving the players responsibility of self-governance and all that combined it's led to a fantastic year where they're vying for a playoff spot and could potentially be a Super League side next year. It might be a bit too far but they've got a chance and it's the same for York as well. They were not even in the championship last year and after promotion they're hoping to do it again this year. 
and last week they got a crucial two points. They had a 24-21 win against Dewsbury Rams, and on the face of it, that's not really that remarkable, but they had two players simbined in the first half, and at a stage in that first half, they were 14-0 down. And not only that, in the second half, they were dealt with another blow, because with just 33 minutes to go, they had a man sent off. Ronan Dixon was sent off and they were reduced to 12 men for the remaining half an hour. But they had that resilience and the staying power and they was also able to stay motivated, you know. When everything seemed to be going against them in the game, they kept up and they won. Many expected York to consolidate their position in the championship this year but they've done that now and now they're real contenders to getting the playoffs and have a chance at toppling the massive favourites, the big spenders, Toronto, like London did last year. And York have took everybody by surprise, and perhaps with the focus always being on Toronto, it's maybe helped sides like York and Sheffield to go out and enjoy the games with the pressure off, because everybody expects Toronto to do the business. It's already York's best ever season since they reformed back in 2002, it was even a surprise they were promoted from League One last year, so it'll be an exciting clash. And earlier on in the season, Sheffield got the better of York when they beat them 24-16 in round eight. But York have gone from strength to strength since then, and Sheffield have dropped away a bit, but they're still on the outskirts, and just with a couple of wins, they're right back in it, and they're firmly in this playoff race. The game is on tonight, and... Hopefully, it'll give us an indication on who will be in the playoffs come the end of the season. But it's been great for the Championship to see those two doing well this year. Now then, we've talked a lot about Leeds' problems in recent weeks on the podcast. But they got a win last weekend. That brought them off the foot of the table. And they got back to winning ways after two straight losses. Tonight, they're looking to double the wins to two when they face Castleford, who have also recently been out of form. You'll remember last week, I backed the Tigers to recapture some form, and they've certainly done that in the first game, beating London. So it'll be tough for Leeds, but they've showed positive signs against Catalans. Leeds were maybe fortunate that they probably faced the most out-of-form Super League side at the moment, and Catalans... Didn't win a single match last month, but Leeds were worthy winners in the game. You know, when they had the ball going forward, they were much quicker. In past games, they've looked slow and sluggish. They've had no real structure or plan of what to do in the final third. But last week, they found a way to win. And they've added to the squad, bringing in Robert Louis in particular. He seemed to give them an extra dimension. And going forward with the ball... All players seem to be on the same page. There's a structure to the player. The players seem to be putting in more effort. They seem to be doing a bit extra. And perhaps the shock of being at the bottom kick-started that. And it's showed in the recent stats. Harry Newman, Conrad Hurrell, Handley, Cuthbertson, all of them made over 120 metres in the match. Also, Liam Sutcliffe made 42 tackles. And Trent Merrin also had a good game. He made 39 tackles and made over 127 metres in 65 minutes. So both sides will be desperate for a win. Castleford will be wary of the fact Leeds had 18 points at half-time 
and they had enough left in them to put another 13 past Catalans in the second half to win 31-12. But Castleford were just as convincing in their win too. They too had 16 points at half-time, and come the final hooter, they won 42-10. Castleford will have the advantage of playing at the home ground, so perhaps they'll have the edge over Leeds. But if Leeds carry on improving, it certainly won't be easy. That's it for Shoulder Charge this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. There'll of course be another next week, where I hope you can join me so we can do it all over again. See you again on Shoulder Charge.